We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Detroit Lions select Aiden Hutchison, defensive end, Michigan. Jared Goff winds up. Touchdown, Detroit. Josh Reynolds. Here comes the blitz. Down the middle and on the fly. Jamison Williams, extra speed on the gas and gone. Touchdown. Welcome fellow goofballs to Two Giant Goofballs, a New York Giants podcast. I am Drew, joined as always by Rob. Hey Rob, how's it going? I'm doing well, my friend. How about yourself? Oh, I can't complain because we got two nice gentlemen here to help us out today talking about the Detroit Lions. We got Tyler and Pierre here from the Pride Podcast, the Detroit Lions podcast. How you doing, guys? Good, man. How are you guys doing? Good, good. I'm doing so, good, guys. Appreciate you guys coming on. It's a big help to us because we got some questions here in the Lions, and I think you guys are definitely the guys to answer the questions here. So we got an interesting game coming up here because the Lions, on paper, the Giants are definitely the favorites, I think, in the game. I think you guys will probably agree on that just based on a record alone. But it definitely has the feelings of a trap game because the Lions are not the team that their record showed. They've had some games where they've looked spectacular. And they've had some games where they just don't look great at all. So it's kind of like, which Lions do, are we going to get here this Sunday? Is that the kind of feeling you guys have had on the Lions this year, too? Yeah. I mean, that's fair. But at the end of the day, you know, we always say you kind of are what your record says you are. Right now, they're a three-win football team. But yeah, and I also feel like kind of, I don't know if you guys say this, but with the Giants, right? You guys are 6-2, and two, but do you feel like you're not as good as your record is? I'll, I'll say yeah. this, it's, 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 it's been an interesting season because we didn't believe that this would happen this year, obviously. You know, I don't think anybody went into the season. I know, Rob, you didn't either, right? <laughs> yeah, we projected like seven wins, maybe eight. Yeah, we, we, we saw a week's schedule going in, but we didn't expect what we have going on so far. But it's really just been clean football, uh, you know, no, no major mistakes, running the ball like crazy, controlling the clock, and, you know, just being opportunistic and not turning the ball over. So it's, you know, it's just the, the basics of football is what we're doing. The coaching that we've had this year has made a huge difference. Right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's like been one of the, 
I would say somewhat concerns of like what the Lions are right now is people expected more out of this team this year, expected more wins at this point. And, you know, they've been able to string together two wins in a row, which has obviously boosted some confidence to the fan base for sure. And hopefully it, this is not just a fluke and this is something sustainable going forward. And I think this week will be a big test because, you know, you're playing a team that I think is better than you. And, you know, Dan Campbell picked up his first road win last week in Chicago. Now could he make it two in a row and do it in New York? It's funny you mentioned that because that's one of the things I mentioned, you know, when Rob and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago. I'm like, you know, they haven't won a road game yet. And sure enough, you guys break that streak and win one last week. I'm like, come on. <laughs> At least you guys can't be the first one anymore. Yeah, see? <laughs> Maybe good. just have to wait till you know, the next away game for the second one. That's all. so you know obviously you guys have a pretty strong offense and that's been kind of the 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 pro side of you guys the defense obviously has been kind of more of a con side uh, at least the way things are going um you know so obviously most things do start and stop with the quarterback it's kind of a quarterback driven league obviously and something i don't see ending anytime soon so obviously you guys got jared goth a couple years ago in that trade with the rams where you gave up matt stafford there uh, you know, he's having a pretty good season, it looks like, at least from what I've seen there. Um, you know, a little bit of ups and a little bit of downs there, but definitely, I would say, above average, not necessarily elite by any means, obviously. Uh, but, you know, he's got a 9.1 yards uh, per attempt. He's got a 113.6 um, uh, passer rating yet, uh, last week. Um, you know, one of the interesting things I looked at this stats here is the Giants are very heavy on the blitz, obviously. It's the, the heaviest blitzing team in the league. Wink just loves to dial up that blitz. Um, so Jared Goff's actually been pretty decent against the blitz though. Uh, he's got a 93.8, uh, passer rating, but he has given up some interceptions. He's given four out of his seven interceptions when under fire there with the blitz. So what do you guys think as far as, you know, how his play has been this year? Um, when they pick up the blitz, like the backs and the O-linemen, he's good. But when they're running free, he panics and just throws it or he'll take like an unnecessary sack. He doesn't throw the ball away. He just panics. And that's that's the thing with Goff when you also look at his time in LA. It's he's not he's a statue in the pot. He's not like Daniel Jones who can move around or like Justin Fields we saw last week. Pressure comes in his face. He he just sits there in the pocket. He doesn't move. He's like a statue. And he he's definitely prone to make some mistakes. We've seen it this year, even when he is playing really well. Um, we've seen some very costly mistakes, like a pick six here or a pick six there. And I feel like every game in those first four weeks, I think like two or three out of those first four games, there was a very costly turnover that Jared Goff gave the other team six points just from him. You know, if it was a fumble six, a pick six, whatever it may be. And, you know, even though when he's playing well, he is very prone to make those bad decisions that could cost the team and end up putting your, you know, your team in a very bad position and giving yourself a loss. Yeah. And I, I noticed even against the uh, the Packers specifically, uh, you know, obviously Rodgers threw, I think, was it three picks in that game? Three interceptions, right? yeah. Uh, you know, there was a few passes that Goff also threw that should have been intercepted. Absolutely. It just, like, right. went right through the defender's hands. You know, it was kind of like, oh, no, this is why you're on defense. <laughs> no, I, I mean, if you watch that game, Jared Goff did everything possible to try to lose that football game. Like, our defense played their tails off that game. They played really, really well. And, you know, they cost three turnovers and we still ended up being in a, a one score game with Aaron Rodgers having the ball at the last minute in the game on the 50 yard line, being down five points, having an opportunity to win the game. Now defense stepped up, got the stop and we won the game ultimately. But Jared Goff 
did absolutely everything possible to try to lose that game. And I remember I fired off a tweet. It's like, man, he's doing everything possible to get Bryce Young here right now. He wants him in the building right now. He doesn't even want to quarterback this team anymore. So, yeah, there's been definitely some ups and downs with Jared this year. Yeah. And I think most of us would be pretty shocked if you guys were in the market for a quarterback next year, you know, given the amount of money that he, you know, it, it owed at that point the the like I said the lack of eliteness even though he's been not horrible but you know like I said a quarterback driven league and if you want to win you need a good quarterback right you guys you guys have a, a okay quarterback but not a good quarterback at least in my opinion yeah I yeah. would agree with that I agree with that yeah so the running back position also for you guys I thought was pretty interesting uh, obviously Jamal Williams has been getting kind of the the, the brunt of the the carries there. Um, got 604 yards overall for the season, 4.3 yards uh, uh, per carry there, nine touchdowns, which, damn, that's that's a pretty good total there. Um, but he's only had one uh, one game over 100 yards. And I think going into the season, at least from an outsider perspective, I expected to see a lot more DeAndre Swift than, than what you guys are at least showing that I've seen here. Um, but the guy's only had 40 rushes, but he's got 6.3 yards per carry. So w- what's going on there at that position? So throughout to the first three games when Swift was healthy, he was averaging like not like nine yards a carry. I'm not kidding you. He was on fire. And then he hurt his ankle and he hurt his shoulder. And he's been in and out of the lineup. He's been limited in some games. He hasn't been the same player. You could tell he's still injured. Like he doesn't he's still fast, but he doesn't have that fast like when he's healthy. He doesn't have that speed when he's healthy. Um his decision making also hasn't been great. Last week he ran right into a defender. And I think that maybe has to do with the rustiness, him not playing and not practicing as much. Um, but when Swift is healthy, I mean, he's up there like with the best guys in the league, Jamal Williams, he's doing a great job, you know, and also the O-line. I mean, I don't know if you've watched the Lions O-line, but they literally move people. They, they push people back. You got Sewell first rounder, Frank Ragnostic rounder, Decker first rounder. And then you also have Jonah Jackson been really good for Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. That's a a homegrown line. You guys got two that's been around for a couple of years. Key. I mean. That's one of those things we've talked about in our podcast time and time again, that we've kind of been throwing together a different line every year. And we think we got at least semblance of some of the guys being good now, but they haven't played together long. And there's still that, that lack of, you know, comfortableness there with the guy next to you at that point on our line. And you guys have been what, I think the left side has been together for like what, three or four years now. Uh, yeah. Um, so years. 2020, yeah, 2020. So yeah. Yeah. Hey, Prior Podcast listeners, it's your boy Malcolm here. And if you're a sports better like me, let me tell you about Odds Traders. Odds Traders is a place to compare all odds from all major sports books. You can also compare the different sign codes and promotional codes from different sports books to get the best deal. This app also provides player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather so the betters can make the most informed bets as possible. This app also has bet trackers so bettors can keep records of all their games and betting activity. Looking to maximize your bets? Go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Again, that's O-D-D-S-T-R-A-D-E-R dot com slash bluewire. Odds Traders, the number one site for your game day bets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, pretty impressive. Yeah, and, and it's like one of those situations where, like, especially over the last, you know, since Campbell's taken over with his staff, um, it doesn't really matter who's running the ball. They re- they really have been able to establish a running game, and of course, last week was one of their worst games on the run. You know, they just couldn't really get anything going for Chicago, which is kind of surprising because they don't have a great defensive line in Chicago. But um, you know, overall, they're a team that's going to get pretty nice carries after the you know after the run and. We've seen that with essentially any running back they've had over the last year or so with all the injuries that have happened. We've had Jamal Williams miss some games last year. We obviously had Swift miss some games last year, but we didn't really miss a beat with the running game when we had to throw guys like Craig Reynolds in that situation or even some points last year with like a Jamar Jefferson or Godwin Kabuke. And it's just kind of one of those formulas right now that it could be any, anyone essentially running the ball right now, and it, it's usually going to work for this team, which is... Definitely a big pro, um, you know, for the running game. It, it gives me a lot of that San Francisco 49ers vibes of what they do. It's like, it doesn't really matter who's running the ball. It's just going to work with Kyle Shannon and whoever's his running backs. And that's big with our defense. Sure, Rob, you can tell them all about our lovely run defense and the way it's been going. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, you get over 100 yards this rushing game as well. We have one of the worst rushing defenses, sadly. We Hold do. On. I think we are dead last in the NFL. Or if not dead last, we're thirty or thirty-one. Wait, you guys are. You guys are. I said bottom three. I I read that. I didn't see the exact number, but I did see bottom three. So, if anything, this game be nice and quick. Yeah, for us. thirty-first. Thirty-first. <laughs> oh, we we moved up. All right, there you we're, go. There you go. Oh, <laughs> we've been thirty-two for a while, so it has improved. There you go. Um, I got a question yeah, for you so- guys regarding your D line. Obviously, Dexter Lawrence, I think, is a monster in the middle. Uh, Leonard Williams also a monster. Why is the run defense bad? Like those guys are good players, right? Yeah. So what is it? The linebackers? Is it guys not getting off blocks? What is it? I'll let you take the one, Rob. I mean, there's a lot of different factors. I think it has a lot to do with the blitz and then the pass rush, and then they just kind of let go and let guys by. Um, but they're they do stop the the run a lot. Like when we played last week. Uh, 
we held the run back to what was it, 94, 97 yards, and yeah. he only averaged yeah 4.4 for the game, but he also let up we let up one run that was 44 yards. So Giants have been pretty good at letting up one big run yeah. and then holding down the running backs about three yards, two yards, give or take. Yeah, that's been the story of, of the of the defense, really. Like you said, that one big run every single game, like that forty yard run. Um, but I'll say this: you guys got to hope that Swift is healthy and ready to go because it, it's the fast running back that we've had issues with more than anything else. And I do think it's the linebackers that just in the beginning of the season we had guys that like you know take Crowder, Mister Irrelevant from a couple of years ago, and those kind of guys that are, they're not horrible bench pieces, but they're not a starting caliber linebacker to have. So now we're bringing in, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, Smith, the former uh, Cowboy, uh, Landon Collins, our former safety from a couple of years ago, now play linebacker. We're doing anything we can to try to stop that issue with the limited bit of cap space and obviously the limited bit of talent that's on the streets right now. Um, but it's it's a combination of those two things there. It's, it's like giving up that one big run, which, like, like Rob said, is probably the blitz. Um, combination of that with the fact that our linebackers just haven't been able to good, go east and west, per se, to stop the outside runs. Yeah, and, and with DeAndre Swift, going back to that, it's like I don't know what to really expect out of him. I thought maybe last week we could expect a bigger load, but it kind of seems like they're going to play this limited conservative game with Swift until I'm assuming after Thanksgiving because, you know, you have that short week on Thanksgiving, then you got that kind of mini bye week to really get your players right at that point. So I, I my, if I had to project – I think, you know, these next two games, it's probably going to be more limited DeAndre Swift, probably not a full workload like we saw the first two weeks, you know, like the the load he was getting. Um, and I would assume if everything goes well and he doesn't get re-aggravate anything in, those, in these next two games versus the Giants or the Bills, maybe you could see a bigger workload for DeAndre Swift after that. But for this game in specific versus the Giants, I don't really expect anything too different as far as a workload with DeAndre Swift. I think it'll be very similar to what we've seen the last couple of weeks since he's been back, uh, since the, the injury with his ankle and shoulder. As a Giant fan, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> well, I kind of disagree with Tyler because oh. he finally had a full practice on a Wednesday. He hasn't really practiced fully on Wednesdays. So I think he's going to be a go. And this is a game where they need him because when you play um, the Giants who are a very aggressive defense, Going back to Baltimore, what he did at Baltimore, I play, he plays heavy man and he blitzes a lot, right? I think sure cover yep. one and blitzing. Is that what you guys do a lot? Because that's what he did in Baltimore. Yep. Pretty much, yeah. So, okay, yeah. So you need a guy like Swift because if when you blitz, right, and if you choose the wrong area, like you guys said, you're giving up those big plays. Let's say he blitz from the right and he runs to the left. I mean, that left side is open. He could take it home, for example. Well, there you go. You got two different opinions. We'll see what happens this Sunday. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe Pierce completely wrong. Someone's going to be wrong here. I'm, I'm rooting for you, Tyler. I'm, I'm rooting for you. <laughs> I hope Pierce's opinion's right. <laughs> that, that was like you guys just got me all happy, then just got me all upset again. Pierre just sticks it right down. He goes, nope, he's, he's, he's going to be a full goal this Sunday. Yep. <laughs> uh, question Watch. for you guys, right? You guys lost, obviously, Xavier McKinney. Big loss. I loved him coming out of Bama. Um, they have Fabian Moreau, who's kind of like, you know, he's been okay. I feel like Adoree Jackson, Darnay Holmes. Are you like, how do you feel about your corners? Are the, do you have like a true number one oh, or yeah. is it kind of like, yeah. So, so tell me about the corners. Adoree is definitely number one. He's been, yeah. he's been our guy. Like he, he'll be on St. Brown the whole game. I guarantee you pretty much. I, I would not at all be surprised to even travel even with him because he's just been that good. He's been a shutdown corner. Um, 
Fabian Moreau, as much as he's been a guy that's kind of bounced around the league, I think we're his like fourth team now, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah, fourth team. Uh, you know, he's done very well. And this was a guy that when he got released by the Texans uh, during, you know, the preseason, Wink Martindale wanted him specifically because he thought he had the tools to be a good man cover corner. And he's definitely exceeded the expectations that I know me and Rob had uh, for him there. I said when, when we got him, I said he, I think he probably should start, but he'll probably be below average. And he's probably been above average, wouldn't you say, Rob? Yeah, hands down. He's, uh, he's been very, very good covering the Y, too. So, so the other thing is, uh, you said Adore, does Adore Jackson also shadow in the slot? Does he, like, move to the slot? Because that's where the Lions primarily <clears throat> used Amon Ross St. Brown. He hasn't always, but I'll say this, because of the, the people that, you know, you guys have, uh, you know, personnel-wise, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see it this week because of the fact that our, our, our slot corners is probably our biggest weakness. So Johnny you wouldn't Holmes, put yeah. your best corner, you know, I mean, your, so your worst corner on, your, on their best receiver. It just it wouldn't make sense, in, especially the man coverage kind of situation like we do. So right. I, I would fully expect to see that as a change of pace we usually do, but to see it happen this week. Um, so, but you know, we'll see. I mean, Wink always throws wrinkles and always throws surprises. So you never know for sure. Uh, but you mentioned Xavier McKinney. So, uh, Dane Belton, actually, who was our, our fourth round pick, um, this draft here, he's actually the one who replaced, uh, Xavier McKinney on the lineup last week. And he did pretty good. He got an interception even, which is only our second interception. So yay to you guys. Jared Goff might not throw one because we can't get him worth anything. Oh, the one that's interesting. Yeah, it's the one weakness our, our defense really has for whatever reason. They're very good at defending the pass and, you know, knocking the ball out of the, out of the receiver's hands, and they'll do that on a very consistent basis. But for whatever reason, they just don't get interception. I think last week was our first one. Was it week two we got the other one, Rob? So, I mean, you're talking. It was later than that. It was, it was against the, the Ravens. So it was it week four? Okay, so week four, you're talking to last week, and that's it. Wow. So, we don't we don't get a lot of interceptions. It's just not that our, what our team does. It's it's more about breaking up the pass than it is about trying to make that big play, you know. Which makes sense for your man coverage because there's no one there to help you if you mess up. Right. Yeah, and I think with like your team is like especially your defense is like you had a lot of afterthought players where you didn't really think much of them. I feel like coming in from just looking from the outside, but I feel like Wink has just really been able to unleash a lot of these guys and like make them maybe we'll get another contract with the team or with another team, which is just like. That's really good traits of a defensive coordinator. And obviously, we saw it in Baltimore, and I think he's really translated here in New York for sure. Yeah. yeah the biggest one, it, not that he's a bit player, but the biggest change I've seen this year has been, you guys alluded to Dexter Lawrence before, that guy was a good defensive tackle the last couple of years. He's an absolute beast this year. I don't know what Wink did or, or position coach did to unlock something in him, but he's gone to be an absolute like havoc wrecker in the, in the past defense there. I mean, he's just rushing up like you wouldn't believe. You know, was it five QB hits last last week, Rob? Yeah, I believe so. I, Sexy Dexy's yeah. been a beast, like he says. Yeah, he, <clears throat> he's been by far our best player on defense. The guy is playing like Aaron Donald kind of level. It's It's been that amazing. It really has. I love uh, that nickname, Sexy Dexy. That's, another, yeah. that's a good one. <laughs> by the way, uh, for, for, if you guys, uh, any, we got any Lions fans listening in here to hear what's going on. This man is six foot four, 340 pounds. Yeah, no, I he, loved him coming out. He looks like a lion. More like a Chicago bear, but I mean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Um, so another question, right? Lions fans were split on Thibodeau and Hutch. Me and Tyler both. Just butt-ass this. 
So me and Tyler both liked both of them. We liked one more than the other, but we wouldn't mind either one. So uh, Hutch obviously has kind of since ever since that bye week played like really well. Now when you look at Thibodeau, how has he played these past few? Thibodeau, I think he's he's been one of our best drafts in a while. He's been lights out. Like he's just a great guy around the locker room. He's also He's there in every single play. He may not get the tackle. He may not get the tackle. He may not get all the credit, but he interferes and puts the pressure on the quarterback and stop. Yeah. Yeah, he's always around the ball, which is which is key. I mean, uh, you know, you guys are seeing it, obviously, with Hutchison. He's had a little more success with Saxon, obviously, than, than Thibodeau has. But the big thing with, with, a, with a rookie edge or defensive end is you just want to see progress. You just want to see raw skill, right. um, you know, and you want to see that they're going to learn as, as they progress in their career because that's a tough – position really to come out of college and just excel right off the bat i mean very few guys like a javon curse that just come in and tear it up right off the bat so you know but he's been very good as far as getting around the ball he's made some very smart plays actually he recovered a fumble against baltimore saw that mainly because the the, the whistle didn't blow and everybody else acted like the play was over pretty much he just jumped around that ball and got us the ball you know very smart high iq guy uh, great personality. I know there's some questions about him coming out of college as far as his personality and his fit in, in certain places there. The guy's been a team player. He's like, guy gets so emotional over a win, he starts like practically crying. Like, this is a, this is a guy that I'm really rooting for long-term to develop into the kind of pass rush we need. And the ones we've missed, basically, we traded away JPP a few years ago. And it also helps when you have Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams with him too, right? Like, the Lions have Hutch and, you know, I mean... I don't know what else to say. Like, there's not much. Not much. Say, yeah. I, I didn't see much on that line besides Hutch, and I'm like thinking, like, this poor guy. He's like an army of one, basically having to do it all himself. So we're thinking maybe Jalen Carter and Hutch. That'd be kind of nice. That'd be awesome. But yeah, no, I'm happy to see KT succeeding because I was one of those people where I didn't really have a like a huge preference either way. I thought they were both phenomenal prospects coming into the draft process. I leaned more Thibodeau just because I like you say the raw traits. I think he has more of the traits to be more elite, but that's not a knock on Hutchinson at all. I think Hutchinson could be really, I think he could be elite as well. Um, but, you know, I'm just happy both of them are doing well right now. And I, I think both have proved to be, I think both fan bases are happy with the pick that they made for sure. You know, we could give a combined thank you to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Should be Absolutely. Wrong. I did yeah, not want Jaguars. to touch Trayvon Walker. <laughs> so it was either KT or, or Hutch for me. <laughs> so absolutely. I, I'm, yeah. I'm thoroughly either way. Thank you, yeah. Jaguars, for being the Jaguars. Yeah. <laughs> we salute you. <laughs> Real American hero. <laughs> uh, like, I couldn't believe that when they did that draft night. I was like, wait, what? Did they just make, make a mistake? Is this like a Steve Harvey at Miss Universe kind of moment? Like, what's going on here? So, so who, who are you guys preparing to take, like, like as a fan? Like, you guys, I'm assuming you guys wanted an edge rusher, and you were probably assuming – you know, Hutchins going to go number one, and then let's just assume it's not even a, a slam dunk. The Lions take Thibodeau at two, but let's just assume they take Thibodeau at two. Who would the Giants fans want at that point? You know, I think we we had two positions of need, obviously, and we drafted based on those two positions of need. We needed a right tackle. That was, I mean, needed one. I mean, Andrew Thomas on the left side is probably the best tackle in football right now. The way he's playing this year, but right tackle, we had Nate Solder there last year who was basically like a, a door and a loose hinge that you just had to like blow. And all of a sudden you got to the quarterback. Um, so, you know, Evan Neal is a guy I wanted right off the bat. I mean, and I think he's going to develop into something good. Uh, you know, he's already, I think farther than, um, you know, Thomas was at this stage of his career. 
Uh, not that I expect him to be as good as Thomas, but I think he'll be a, a good tackle overall. Um, you know, so I wanted him, and I think my, my for the second pick, I wanted either Kayvon, who we ended up luckily getting, or the guy I would have loved to get a Sauce Gardner because just because the Wings defense and how man coverage it is, we all knew James Bradbury was going to be cut before the season started. And we, the whole season, I mean, Rob and I were talking the whole the whole time in the preseason, and every single episode, I'm like, who the hell's the second corner? Who the hell's the second yeah. corner? You know, we had Aaron Robinson, who's uh, now in IR, so you guys won't see him this week. He was a slot corner, uh, uh, played uh, for a couple different schools, including Alabama, and was UCF, I think UCF, he played for us. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, um, and, uh, you know, he, he's more of a slot corner, and they were trying to convert him to an outside corner just out of pure need. So. Yeah. You know, it, it was it was something that if we could have got him, I would have been happy too. But I, I'm I'm ecstatic. I, I don't I don't want to speak for you, Rob, but I'm ecstatic we got for that first round. Yeah, that, that's pretty much sums it up. Like we said, Evan Neal was a must. We needed it. Yeah, Nate was tragedy yeah. to our cap and playing time. And, and I feel like the Lions are kind of in a similar situation where the Giants were last year, where they're going to have probably. It could be two relatively early picks like they did last year. You know, you had five and seven, and I don't know if this would be five and seven, but the Rams don't look great right now, and we have we own their pick, and then our team. We'll see where the rest of the season goes. We're still not a very great football team, so I could see some losses still coming, and it, we could still, you know, maybe land in that top ten. Wouldn't be surprised yeah. at all by that. So, uh, speaking of Evan Neal, right, and uh, uh, Andrew Thomas, but you guys have, I believe, Feliciano, Mark Lewinsky, mm-hmm. and is it Azudu? Yeah, right. yeah. Zuda was the third round pick out of North Carolina. We got this year in the draft. I'm guessing that like the weakness is kind of that interior, right, of the O line. Yes, and pass pro. Yeah, it, it's 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 the center and the right guard. Golinski has been a disappointment, honestly. And I was very big on him when we got him. Uh, he was probably the second, uh, the second most consistent uh, lineman that the Colts had the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, and he's been great in the run blocking. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to fully on knock the guy there. But he's definitely left something to be desired in the, in the pass blocking, and Feliciano is definitely as well. And I, I actually think Feliciano will be replaced by uh, Nick Gates before the season's up, and I really hope that because I don't know how familiar you guys are with the Nick Gates story, but the the guy came back from basically an Alex Smith injury, like oh, it was wow. that it was that level. I mean, the guy had like fourteen surgeries on his leg. You know, I mean, you, you can see the scar; it looks it's insane, and. He didn't think he was going to come back to play. And a lot of the guys who know him in the media now are telling the stories about how he thought he was talking about filling out retirement papers with the NFL and everything. And instead, less than he actually would say just over a year after the injury, he's back in the field. So you guys will still see him on Sunday, but he'll be like the, the extra lineman. When we go to like big sets and stuff like that. You're not going to see him on, on most plays, but he'll still pop in. And so he's got to get back into football shape, obviously. Uh, but I'm really hoping to see him eventually overtake Feliciano and be our starting center because you just can't help the guy. He's he's that lunch pail lineman. He's that guy that like you know you know is like just the party animal after the games and all. Like he's just he's got that personality. You can't help but like the guy. Yeah, man, that's a guy I'm rooting for. I don't really know him, but the story you just said that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, look him up, man. It's 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 a crazy story. I'm not doing it justice. I'm really not. Yeah, it was very emotional when that he played his first game and his family was in his stand. Yeah, watching group form and oh, yeah. how he was after the game with his family. It was awesome. Good. Yeah, he had siblings, his mother and everything, everybody, everybody in the stands like watching him and like they all started like crying practically the first the first uh um play he was in, which I think was uh was a touchdown even. I think it was Saquon Barkley touchdown against the Seahawks. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So I mean it, like I said, you you can't help the guy. You can't. 
All right, um, you guys also have Tyler's favorite player, Kenny Galladay. How, how is <laughs> how is he doing in New York? Um, are you guys watched the movie Encanto? <laughs> no, but <laughs> I, I feel like I know where this is going, though. Yeah, he's our Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, uh, you know, unfortunately, we talk about him way too much. It's the problem because yeah, for- our receivers, let's be honest, are, are, are pretty much our weakest position we have. I mean, you got Wandale Robinson, the second round pick out of Kentucky, who's a slot receiver that's still kind of learning his way as a receiver, learning run better routes and all. Um, but he's been very shorthanded and very good overall for what he is. Uh, Darius Slayton, who was in the, the, the coach's doghouse for much of the year, and now all of a sudden he's our top receiver when he's really better suited as a third or fourth receiver on most teams. And it's because, obviously, we traded Kadarius Tony away because he was just a malcontent and a headache. Um, heard Travis Kelsey talking about it. I can't believe the Giants let him go. Give it a couple weeks, Kelsey. You'll see. The honeymoon's not over yet. Um, but Kenny Galladay has been a, just an absolute disaster, disaster since he's been with us. So uh, I think it's a combination of, I think the injury he had when you know he left you guys was a little worse than the Giants thought. I think he's got some lingering issues from that still. He's had other injuries with us as well. Um, his confidence is definitely blown. And uh, I think also dealing with the New York media compared to the Detroit media has also been an issue as well because it's just he's not the same player at all. You know, yeah, before I, he got hurt this year, um, he was out for, what, four weeks, five weeks with his yeah. hamstring. He was like, oh, I'm going out there to play for the, my, my, my teammates. I'm not going out there for the coaches. Yeah. And then when we traded Tony, I thought it was going to Firing. So I'm like, hey, no one's, no one's so guaranteed to stay here, man. And he was, after they traded Tony, like, he went out and was tweeting, was like, I got to play, like, I got to prove myself, I got to do this and that. And yeah, he responds by dropping the ball twice and not being seen ever again last week. So, so I mean, literally, they hit him in the hands and he just, it just, I don't, I don't get it. I really don't get it. I mean, we said, uh, we had a, an episode on Sunday after the game with uh, Britton Golden, the former receiver. And I asked him point blank. I said it was uh, Matt Stafford's greatest accomplishment, perhaps making Kenny Galladay look like a good receiver. You see, but Andrew, he he wasn't only good with Matthew Stafford. It's like, yeah, that was a big reason. I think like with Matthew really made him like in search to be like a, a true number one receiver for our team. But like even when Matthew missed time in 2020 when he got hurt, and we had Jeff Driscoll at quarterback, then Driscoll got hurt, and then David Blau has to step in, like. He was still very effective for us, and he was still a true number one receiver, even with all those injuries and not having a surrounding cast around him. Because I think Marvin was hurt at the time, and we didn't really have any other receivers to go along with Kenny. It was really just Kenny's show for a while. And, you know, we weren't a good offense but by any means, but his play didn't really take much of a hit, even when Matthew and all the other offensive pieces went down. I have to be honest, when he signed with the Giants, I thought it was a disaster because Stafford is like a strong-armed quarterback. He's a vertical guy. You throw it up to Kenny Gallagher. Daniel Jones is not really that. I feel like he chased the money more than kind of chased the oh, fit. Yeah. And I don't blame the guy, right? Go get your money, whatever. Like, But it just didn't make sense with the – I forgot the old GM. Gettleman. With Dave Gettleman, Gettleman yeah. With Dave Gettleman. With <laughs> I think Steve. that's another Bruno you guys probably don't want to yeah, talk as much about. We have a lot of Brunos. You guys can relate with us a lot with having the Patriot-style coach. You know, we had Patricia for three oh, years. God. You guys had Joe Judge. I mean, I think we Lewis. can relate on that a lot. 
would have thought our, our our both our former coaches would now be running the offense for the in Patriots. New England. <laughs> what the hell? You wonder why they can't score points. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder That's players good. are questioning. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, but it's yeah. I mean, he's like I said, he's been a disaster. Honestly, I, I fully expect him to be even healthy scratch for some games. It's gotten that bad. Wow. I mean, like I said, literally, it's hitting him in the hand, and it's just nothing. Do you know what his nickname was here in Detroit? And like, not many people took place in this, but his nickname at one point was Babytron. That was his nickname here in Detroit at one point. And like, oh, people were that. so high on. He was really good for us. And like, I agree with Pierre. I don't really see. I didn't really see the fit with the Giants, but just because of Daniel Jones and his quarterback style. But I didn't think it would be this bad. Yeah, no, now and I agree with hand. you guys on the style issue. That's for sure. But it's like when you're hitting a, a you know a slant route and you're wide open and you can just run for 25 yards and you let it it like hits you right where the numbers are and it goes right through your hands. That's an issue. And I really, like we said, I, I think it's a confidence issue. I think I, I, I would agree with that. He's got to go elsewhere at this point. And I, and I think, you know, you guys, if you want him back, you can have him next year. So we'll pay the salary <laughs> and we'll take him back. <laughs> uh, uh, we can save, I think it was like, like six and a half million by cutting him next year. So I fully expect him gone next year. So okay. he's just going to have to write out the season. So he'll be back available. But, you know, you guys got a, got a really good uh, receiver, you know, that is actually performing in Amon Ross St. Brown, who's been, you know, obviously he was, what was it, a fourth-round pick, was he? I'm trying to Fourth remember round top pick, yep. yeah. yeah. So, you know, he's a guy who that, you know, definitely exceeded expectations that at least the draft guys had. I liked him a lot coming out of college. I didn't think this good necessarily. But, you know, what's interesting is he seems to be basically on pace for the same as he did his rookie year, right around that, like, 900-yard mark there. You know, what have you guys seen from him as he has he – excelled better this year compared to last year or what do you guys think uh I'm Ra. oh yeah okay i'm in Ra, um when you look at his game from last year yeah, he's excelled especially in the yak department he worked on that this offseason he's doing really good on that and his route running is more uh sound now he you know he's played against these guys and he also he always plays with a chip on his shoulder so if he sees a wide receiver that was drafted before him like when he was drafted he lets them know that and he lets the other teams know that too, right? So he plays with that chip on his shoulder because he said he was a fourth-round pick and other guys were taking ahead of me and I'm better than those guys. I don't, I don't know if the Giants necessarily took anyone. Um, what was it, 2021? 2020 or 2021, yeah. Did you yeah, guys take so a receiver? We, we took Tony team? before him. Oh, but Tony is not there. See, if Tony was on, that, the, on, the, uh, on the field, Amon Ra would have let the Giants know that he was better than Tony and you took me. you took Tony over me. That's one thing I love about Amon Ra and his blocking too. I mean, he blocks just like how he plays, how he catches the ball. He is a ferocious blocker. Like he's small, but he blocks a lot bigger than he is. I mean, the Lions, like they put him in motion as a tight end sometimes to block. He he could block. Yeah. Yeah, you know, with Amon Ra, you'll see him lined up pretty much everywhere. Like they, well, he's mainly in the slot, but you'll see him on the outside. You'll even see him lined up in the backfield sometimes. That's one thing uh, Ben Johnson likes to get creative with, and we weren't really seeing that like the first seven, eight weeks in the season with him getting as creative as they were towards the end of the year last year. But last game for Chicago, we saw him get a handoff. We saw him line up in the backfield a couple times. So I feel like going forward, especially with missing some you know playmakers right now, um, like you expect it coming into the year, DJ Chark, he's on injury reserve right now. You expect to see Hawkinson, he was traded. Um, who, who am I missing? I'm missing another receiver. Josh, Josh, Reynolds. Josh Reynolds, yeah, he's another starter. and He's missed the last uh, two weeks, and we don't know what his status will be this week. So when the receiving core is not in full strength right now, we don't have our full personnel, 
Um, it, it's nice to see Ben Johnson, our offensive coordinator, really get creative with Amon Ra and use him all over the field. And we saw that last game for Chicago. And assuming we don't have too much of those guys coming back this week, maybe Reynolds comes back. We'll see it in practice on Wednesday. Um, I think they'll get creative with Amon Ra again this Sunday, just with the personnel that we have out there. Yeah, Chark could come back. He practiced today, so we'll see. Chark could possibly be back versus New York. We'll just see how he progresses. You mentioned there a minute ago, uh, TJ Hawkinson. I got to ask, what happened there? I, I know from an outsider perspective, a lot of us were like, wait, why would you trade this guy away? What's going on? You want me yeah, to the only thing that I was thinking about, it, I mean, I let these guys take it over, but if you could trade in division, like, did you yeah. get some extra stuff for that? Like, yeah. <laughs> did you guys just believe in Brock White that much? Like, Lions owner owned uh, owe the Vikings owner some money or something. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't give us Jamison Williams. I'll say on that. We didn't really trade much to get him. So, no. I mean, I I just think it was they didn't view Hawkinson a long-term player. And this is something that we talked about on our podcast consecutively. Like, we didn't view him as a, a franchise player. He's a guy I criticized a lot was TJ Hawkinson. I thought he gets a lot. he gets a lot of hype. And, you know, he's not a bad player by any means. But I just don't think... He's as good as people think he is. I think people look at fantasy football numbers and think he's like a top three, top four tight end in the league, and it's just not the case. You know, he's just not that type of player. And there's been a lot of games uh, where TJ Hawkinson just is invisible. Like, he doesn't do anything for this team. You know, he's not a great run blocker, and he's a good pass catcher, but, like, he's sometimes invisible. Sometimes, you know, we don't see him involved in the game plan. And one criticize we had on him in the offseason and we want to see him improve on was the yak. And, you know, it got better, I would say, this year, but it wasn't still at the level I think we were expecting and I think the staff it wanted out of him. So I think it was just looking at it as like, this is, is this a guy you want to pay long term? Is this a guy you want to have on your offense for the next four years, four to five years? And I just don't think it was a priority compared to some other players that we're going to have to pay soon. Guys like Penny Sewell, guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, Jonah Jackson, those guys are more priorities to getting a, a contract done with than TJ Hawkinson was. And when you're getting a second round pick from TJ Hawkinson, like I, I think you have to take that. I was saying I would take him for a fourth round pick, honestly, or just play it out and get the compensatory pick and let him walk and get probably a third round pick. Kind of like what we did with Galladay. You know, we yeah. just let him walk, got a big contract. He got us a third round pick. So I thought that could have happened potentially. But when you got offered a second round pick, um, it, it sucks dealing him in the division, and if it, it works out for Minnesota, like yeah, that would sting a little bit. But I just think it was something that they viewed of viewed of him not being a long term player, and uh, the deal was just too good to pass up on. And I and I agree with the the philosophy of Brad Holmes and why he made that deal. Honestly, yeah. Dude, when you, you look at the, the G word, my bad. Uh, when you, <laughs> when when you, you look at that title, <laughs> um, sorry, Pierre. You're good, my bad. Uh, when you look at the tight end market, like David and Joku is making what, like 14, 15 mil a year. So Hoxon's probably gonna be the highest paid tight end, or like damn near close to it. And we were like, he's not worth it because first of all, the Lions don't necessarily utilize a tight end that much into their offense. In the red zone, they do. But the past three weeks, three tight, three different tight ends have scored in the red zone: Shane Zilstra, rookie tight end James Mitchell, and then uh, Brock Wright, second year player. You know, so it's like we're not even really missing a beat. Now, did he have an issue with drops as well? And I was looking at the stats for you guys here. I noticed he didn't have a very high catch for, uh, percentage for the season. I, I wouldn't say they were noticeably like Eric Ebron drops. Like, you know, that that was a guy that like got a lot of, he got a lot of criticism from the fan base when he was here for his drops. 
I wouldn't say it was the same with TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, you get a bad drop here and there by TJ, but like it wasn't noticeably bad where you would call that a flaw in his game. I wouldn't say drops is like something that's like, you know, notable about his game. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, he catches the ball and he gets tackled. He can't break a tackle. There's that not much yet. That used to piss me off with him. So, I mean, Vikings, I feel like he's a better fit for them anyways. O'Connell likes to use his tight ends, and I feel like him and Justin Jefferson complement each other well. Just wasn't a fit for us. Gotcha. So, we got to go over your, your guys' weakness here a little bit here as well. At least what I perceive as a weakness. I think you guys will agree. The defense. What's going on, guys? Uh... Pierre, go ahead. Tell us what's wrong with this defense. Everything's wrong with this defense. Um, <laughs> How much well, time do we got? <laughs> all right, the, the problem is it's, it's a lot of youth on that defense. You guys know you guys have young guys too. You have probably more vets, but the Lions have, I believe, only one guy starting on their second contract. Or two, two. Deshaun Elliott and Alex Anzalone. The rest of the guys are on. And, well, Mike Hughes is not the lineup. But oh, you know what disregarding uh, Michael Brockers, a healthy scratch? Michael Brockers, they, they, they traded for him part of the Stafford trade, gave him $9 million a year, three-year, $27 million deal. He's a healthy scratch now. Um, they signed a guy brain. off. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> they signed a guy off the street, Isaiah Bugs. You know, I mean, he's, he's actually been somewhat good. Like, for a guy coming off the street, he's been pretty solid for Detroit. Um, but they don't really have any interior juice, like pass rushing juice from the interior. Sometimes they move Hutch. Uh, they added John Kaminsky. They like claimed him off waivers from the Falcons. He was good. Then he broke his wrist or whatever. So you've seen with that cast on when he plays, he's not the same with that cast on, not as effective. So what they do is they move Hutch around. Um, they try to they try to do their best with that. And then the the secondary, I mean, it's young. The best guy is out for the year, Tracy Walker. He was basically like the heartbeat of that defense. He was guys who got guys lined up correctly. Communication. Ever since Walker went down, lots of communication issues in the sector. You got guys running wide open. I don't know if you saw last week, but uh, I forgot the dude's name. Cole Komet. Cole Komet was wide open, like 30, 40 yards. No one's covering him. Big, big miscommunication, right? Um, so you got a lot of youth, and that's the issue right now. It's a mixture of youth, but I think a lot of it, and Pierre might not agree with this, It's I think a lot of it's on our defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn. Now, should this be a great defense or a good defense by any standard? I didn't have that expectation just because of the personnel that they have out there. But I look at a team like you guys, and I think you guys are a perfect example with the Giants where you guys don't have the greatest talent, but you guys are a middle-of-the-pack defense, an average defense, a defense that gets the job done, and you have a defensive coordinator that is just getting the absolute best out of these guys. Now, do we necessarily have a Dexter Lawrence or a Leonard Williams? No, we don't have that, and that's obviously... Mm-hmm. A big factor but um you know Aaron Glenn is just not getting the most out of these guys and talent wise they should not be the dead last defense in the NFL and historically on they were at rate to be a historically one of the worst defense in NFL history at one point and they still might achieve that we'll see what the you know remaining uh games that we have left so that's not an excuse and that's why I can't give a pass to our DC and Aaron Glenn but they should definitely be playing better. I know they have some injuries. I know they're young, but I just think there's no excuse why they are the last-ranked defense. Again, look at Wink, Martindale, what he's doing in New York. A lot of afterthoughts on that team. You didn't really think much of him coming into the year. He's getting the most out of these guys, and they're thriving right now, and they're looking to get another contract with the Giants or another team in the NFL, kind of like what I said earlier in the show. But, Tyler, like you said, though, Detroit doesn't have a Leonard Williams or Dexter Lawrence. They do have their – I mean, their Thibodeau and Hutchison, right? But – 
you need help, right? And those two guys make a difference. They're, they're better against the run. They provide pass rush juice. Lions just don't have those guys yet. And we know a good pass rush makes an average secondary look good. We always say that. Yeah, it's true. But I don't yeah, know. But a lot of that pass rush that we have, honestly, is being schemed to the blitz. And I think that's a lot of what's helping Leonard Williams as well is because, because of that and uh, Dexter Lawrence because they they got the blitz going where the outside is kind of you – know, the inside is kind of pushing out to help because the outside is going to get the outside, you know, the, sa- the safety that's risk- rushing the quarterback or the corner, clock corner that's going in. So it, it, I, think it's, I think it's also manufactured help that's also helping the defensive tackles. Uh, Leonard Williams actually out for almost half the year too on top of that. And, um, and Andrew, you brought it up even earlier in the show. It's like Dexter Lawrence was a good player before, but yeah. he's now great. He's considered one of the top guys in the league. I think a lot of that's coaching. Yep. That's, a, that's a lot of it on coaching. He wasn't as elite as he was before Wink came in, and that's why I put criticism on Aaron Glenn because look what Wink is doing, and it's very impressive. It's so impressive. Yeah. No, and what I see with you guys, at least from watching the tape for my, you know, uh, preparing for this show and, and seeing an outsider perspective that didn't really have an opinion per se going into it on what's wrong, what I'm seeing is bad angles and missed tackles all day long. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we go back again to the youth thing, right? Like you have a second. I mean, they don't really have much. They have Alex Anzalone, a linebacker. Then the rest is a rookie sixth-round pick who's played great. He was hurt last week. Looks like he'd be back this week. And they have Derek Barnes, a fourth-round pick from last year, who's kind of slowly finding his way in the NFL. I feel like he played his best few games the past few weeks. Um, then the secondary, you have Jeff Lakuda, and you know the rest of the guys are probably not going to be here next year, right? So... Maybe in the safeties, you have Kirby Joseph. And then, I mean, you, there just isn't a lot to work with, in my opinion. Yeah, At least you have a Cuda this year, right? We do have a Cuda this year, which, you know, he's having a nice bounce back career. You know, it's a guy that's dealt with a lot of adversity. You know, year one, you know, was it was rough, then has a big injury. And then year two, he gets knocked out the first game of the season with the ruptured Achilles. So he's already had two significant injuries in his very young career. But one thing I, I give a lot of applause, uh, credit to Akuda is he came back and he plays fearless still. Like he doesn't have much limits or much hesitation when he plays. You know, I feel like a lot of those guys when they come back from those big scare injuries, it's like, you know, they they have that thought in their minds like, yeah, I don't want to reaggravate this. I don't want to get hurt again. Seriously, and um, with Jeff, you would never be able to tell that he had a ruptured Achilles or he had those significant injuries. He just plays fearless, and I give him a lot of credit for that. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's if what I saw of him, he looks like he's on a man on a mission. Basically, he wants to kind of that he was worth the pick that he was. Yeah, and that it kind of reestablish himself as that kind of corner again. So, you know, he definitely seems like he got the right personality to do it. That's absolutely. Yeah. Now let's get into the elephant in the room for me and Tyler. This is a guy we are scared of on Sunday, and I think you guys know where we're going. Twenty six. Saquon yeah, Barkley. Yeah. Right? It looks like it, he's playing. Wait, hold like on, that. I need to look up who's number twenty six. Hold on. <laughs> 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 I mean, um, it says just says the three letters says MVP, MVP. That's all I say. Yeah. say. <laughs> Are we talking about nineteen or twenty six? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. this is a guy, right, who's dealt with adversity also, and it looks like he's healthy now, and he's playing like what is he, second, third overall pick? He's playing like that pick that he was. So. Tell us about him. Like, how how are they using him? Is he limited? Is he like carrying the ball 30, 40 times? Not 40, but you know what I mean. Like 25, well, 30 times a game. I mean, what do you run for last week? 35? Yeah. He, uh, to me, uh, yeah, Saquon playing better than his rookie. Like, he came out like a monster and then suffered a bad injury, came back, suffered a bad injury, 
you know, he kind of looked like a guy that came off an injury. And this year, he told the media that everyone in New York's like, can he play? Can he be like a rookie year? Can he play? And he's like, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And now he's playing almost every position. He's even lined up as quarterback after DJ <laughs> and Tyler got concussed. Yeah. And he's lined up in the wide receiver spot. They do like wildcat formations with him. Like he is, like Andrew said, MVP. He's been versatile. He's been our Swiss Army knife and he's the reason why we're in the games. Yeah, and, and how many carries you see from him honestly depends on how he's doing and how the game is going. Um, so we use him much more often than we usually do against the Texans. And I think a lot of that was it was a game they were just trying to put away. And I think that's what it boils down to with him. Um, I, th- I think in general you're going to see him have a good amount of carries, but you shouldn't see 35. Part of that's going to be also the depending on how we do against you know, with the pass there. So when he passed the ball, was it 17 times last week, I think, Rob, right? Yeah. Yeah so, times seven, yeah, so you know, and that's because we were trying to just end the game. It was over. We were bored. It's the Texans. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, they were clock management. <laughs> They're not the greatest team in the world. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, he also got what 152 yards last week with a touchdown. Yeah. So hopefully yeah, he does uh, that again. No offense, guys, since you guys are running <laughs> up what 160 yards on average a game on the yeah. Russian side. But the big difference with him this year, besides the fact that he's been healthy and he's back to himself physically is that he's also he's doing much better in between the tackles which was an issue for him the last couple of years you know he used to be the guy that he'd see the hole but he'd go wait a minute if i bounce it out here i can maybe get 10 yards instead of getting three or four now he's taking the you know the the couple yards up the middle instead and not you know giving up the big plays or getting hit at the line of scrimmage because he can't do what he thinks he can do in his head um so, you know, it's been a huge, huge difference this year. He's he's back to his rookie form and, and above, really. And, and then I got a question about you guys' quarterback, Daniel Jones. Um, you know, he's a guy that definitely can move in the pocket. He's not a stretch by any means. Do you guys ever do anything as far as designing, like, specific runs for Daniel Jones? Or is it if it comes to a situation where the pocket's collapsing, he's just going to take off and he'll make whatever the play is? What, what do you guys necessarily do with Daniel Jones? Watch the first half against the Bears. Because I'm telling you, you'll see what they, they, that was the game plan going in was to use him as like options, basically, where they go to like fake it over to Saquon. And then he had the option of either handing it off to him or taking the taking the ball and going to the outside pass the tackles. And he would do it nonstop the whole first half. And I don't think that's the game. We got 100 yards rushing this year, this year. But he had uh, a decent amount. In the second half, they finally figured out how to stop it. But I mean, if you give him the chance to do it and he knows he can do it against you he's gonna do it all game long if he can i mean he he knows that we're a running team that is our bread and butter that is the way this offense is set up and let's be honest like we said before we don't have anyone to throw the ball to. it's fair we literally just don't have receivers so if you can go ahead and get 15 yards because a team like the lions that likes man coverage if there's an opening like that where he can get that 10 15 yards he's gonna take it i'll tell you right you guys now. had trouble against the mobile quarterbacks i'm just gonna say that's yeah, there will be another one. Uh, even Brett Favre, I mean Brett Favre, was like, Aaron and Rodgers. Old old man Rodgers looked like he was young man Rodgers. It was almost like Matt Ryan last week running like that. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's that with, like forty year old quarterbacks all of a sudden running. <laughs> but I mean, Rodgers had a good amount of yards I saw against you guys as well. Obviously, you know Justin Fields lit it up last week against you guys too as well. Not that he hasn't done that the last couple weeks in general, but I saw you guys gave up with two hundred fifty eight yards rushing. 
overall to the, to the uh, the Bears last week. Something wild like that. Yeah, I don't know the exact number, but that's definitely been the biggest kryptonite for this Lions defense. Um all season and we even saw in the preseason and didn't put too much stock into it because like you know it's like oh we're not game planning once we start game planning we'll probably be able to figure this out but like every time we've played that style of quarterback or that style of offense we just haven't been able to stop it you mentioned it with Philly with Jalen Hurts we had a really tough time with him um even week four with Seattle with Geno Smith he's not necessarily a mobile quarterback by any means but he's not a statue by any means he can move in the pocket if the pocket's collapsing and, you know, he'll take the 10, 15 yards because we play a lot of man coverage. So, yeah, no, it's definitely been a kryptonite for the Lions defense. They've proved that they haven't been able to stop a mobile-style quarterback yet. So this is another test for Aaron Glenn to see if he could, you know, prove that narrative wrong and if he could do it this Sunday versus New York. I'll say this, though, regarding the Bears game. At the beginning of the game, they were not disciplined in their gaps. They were not disciplined in uh, setting the edge. Towards the end of the game, guys were doing that. So you, you like to see the adjustments and the improvement, but you hope that carries to next week because I'll tell you this, Lions are probably going to play man, and I bet you probably Daniel Jones is going to get like a 10, 15-yard run. That's like a guarantee. If you could bet on that, bet on that. Like I would, I would guarantee you that because the Lions do play lots of man, and I feel like when you also have these Giants receivers, maybe you could play man and load up the box, you know, leave them one-on-one and try to stop the run. Yeah, that's what teams are doing, though. And that's what we're doing is we're doing delayed handoffs like that. And they're getting through because of the man coverage. They got that gap in between where the, the line is and where the receivers are. That's been a pretty normal thing for us to do all year long, basically. Um, and I'll tell you this as well, with, with, as far as running quarterbacks, if we get in a third and one or a fourth and one, it's going to be a quarterback run right up the middle. Okay. He is our, he's actually our short yardage back, as weird as that sounds. You know, obviously unofficial title. but <laughs> is, it, is, is it like a quarterback blast or is it like a Brady sneak? Oh, it's it's just depends on the lineup. Yeah, I mean, okay. he's yeah he's he's pretty much a, a sneak guy and that kind of thing. But I mean, he, it's Saquon's always the issue has always been, and I use this analogy, and you guys obviously being Lions fans could appreciate this. And there's a guy I grew up, uh, you know, being a very big fan of. And you guys had Barry Sanders, and 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 he reminds me a lot of him in their respective. He does these huge runs, he does these freak physical plays, and you're like, the uh, human body shouldn't be able to do what he used did. But he's also that guy that if you need a you know one two yard for that get that first down he's not that guy, and you know he's much like Barry in the fact that he'll get those negative you know negative carries every so often, uh, you know. And Daniel Jones has kind of picked up that role basically on his behalf, where if you need that one yard to get a first down or even a touchdown potentially, it's going to be Jones running the ball. And I think the Lions kind of have a similar problem not with the the running game but like deandre swift is not that type of back usually you put jamal williams for our team like on those short line of situations and that's why you brought the setup earlier that he has nine touchdowns this year usually right when we get to the goal line it's not guaranteed but like it's a pretty good shot that jamal williams would be the running back in in those situations for the goal line and he's yeah. going right up the middle i assume basically based on what i've seen right pretty much yeah yeah and that's yeah. the giant strength i'm telling you as, as as far as the running backs go you want swift in the game because we've had much more trouble with the speedy guys who can get to the, you know, get outside the tackle and, and hit down the sideline. The guys that go up the middle, they usually do uh, not nearly as good against us. Not that we, you know, stop them and become a, you know, a defensive rush stopping juggernaut by any means, but the guys who are the speedy guys, like the Travis Etienne out in Jacksonville, those kind of guys, they're the ones who really put up the yards. Yeah, it'll be interesting because we saw a play last week where they used Swift in the goal line and they kind of had him go outside and then he didn't even get touched. He got a free, it was like six, seven yards and, you know, scored really easy for Chicago. Yeah. Because we were having a tough time running inside. 
Yeah, and that and you know, like that's 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 been a kind of a thing I've seen with a lot of teams this year. The inside runs has become, you know, you're seeing a resurgence of running backs, I think, but you're seeing a resurgence in the league of more faster running backs that do that kind of outside run more than absolutely. between attack. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh injury wise for you guys there, what's going on in injury front for you guys? I know I saw a couple of guys that didn't play, um, you know, didn't practice already today. So what are you guys thinking as far as who might be out for you guys or who who you think's just kind of resting up or yeah, so Taylor Decker is obviously he's resting the left tackle. Josh Pascoe, he actually got hurt last game, and he was a rookie. He was dealing with injuries before, so I think they might be slow with him. Ragnow, been dealing with the foot injury all year, basically. Um, we'll see if he goes. I think he'll play. Josh he was Reynolds, in a walking boot, though, after the game for yep, Chicago. He's in a walking boot, but they said he's in a walking boot after every game, so I don't think that's big of a concern. Um. I think Deshaun Elliott is going to clear protocol. And then Jamal Williams looks like he's going to play. He's just sick. I, I don't expect Josh Reynolds to play. He hasn't, pl- he hasn't practiced this week. He didn't practice last week either. He's dealing with that back. You got a short week also, so they could be saving him for the Bills game potentially, or maybe after like that mini bye week where you get more rest. But um, I think on the injury front, they're actually the healthiest they've been right now, to be honest with you. That might sound crazy, but I think Tyler would agree with me. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, the only real guy that – like I think we're expecting to miss is Josh Reynolds and Ragnall is definitely one to monitor. If he misses, then that obviously switches up the offensive line. You probably have a guy like Evan Brown who's been playing guard this year. Uh, he'll shift over to center, and then uh, Dan Skipper, I would assume, would step into that right guard position, and um, that's how it would work. Because when Ragnall missed a couple games earlier on in the year, that's how they pretty much did it. Well, they started with Stenberg. They didn't work out. Then they put Skipper in. Skipper was solid for us. So I would assume if Ragnow can't go, you could assume Brown would be center and then Dan Skipper at the guard position. And Brown would probably start on the Giants. Brown is a good center. I he's not a bad center. I was surprised no team really went after him this offseason, but I feel like next this offseason he's going to get a nice contract from someone. He's a good player. Yeah, especially in pass protection. Yeah, in pass pro. Well, he'll need to be if he's in the game and going against the, those two tackles there in the middle. That's for sure. You know, having your starting center out is not ideal against the Giants. That's yeah, and Frank is the man. Frank is always reliable. He probably had his worst game I've ever seen out of him. Honestly, it was last week for Chicago. He got you know beat up a couple times in the middle um, by the Chicago Bears. But no, that's not a guy that you're worried about by any means. Even though he had one bad game, if he's good to go, there's no concern with us at all. Yeah. yeah. And I'll say in our front, we got to, we have a couple of injuries um, that we're still kind of keeping an eye on. Uh, Evan Neal, the right tackle, has been out the last couple of weeks. Um, I, I fully expect him to play based on the fact that he was limited in practice today. That's that's a, that's a good sign that he was at least there in you know in uniform. I think he was mostly on a bike from what I heard. But, I mean, still, you're out there. That's the big thing. Dable does not play people that don't actually practice. He's big on that. Um, the other big one is, is Daniel Bellinger or starting tight end. And if you guys saw what happened, so he got in poked in the eye versus Jacksonville. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he had a red rider BB gun action going on there. So he, <laughs> that's, that sounds painful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally Devin yeah. Lloyd just lid had his hand open, went for the ball and his finger went right into his eye socket. So he broke part of his eye socket, part of his, 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 his I think part of his nose bones, even that is terminology. Yeah. all of his, his overcoat. Uh, yeah. It's, He's got an actual metal plate to keep his face from basically caving in while it like silent like, heals basically. <laughs> you got to think about it. How do you let a bone? You can't let it just heal like that. You have yeah. to put it into place to get it to heal right, or else right. he's going to look all you know funky for a while there. I'm, um, I'm, I remember I saw that. I was watching Red Zone because the Lions were at halftime with the Cowboys. I turned that game. It was on Red Zone. The Giants showed it, and then I saw that. I'm like, oh my god, that looks painful. 
what I can't believe, I said this to Rob when it happened, I said, watch all of a sudden you see a lot more Giants players wearing those clear visors. And you, just, yeah. you just don't see it. I'm kind of shocked by that. I'd be putting one on. That's for damn yeah. sure. It's like um, hockey. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, uh, I would say he's going to be something we'll, we'll know a little better. They were hoping to have him back this week. He didn't practice today. So if he doesn't practice the next day or two, then I would say he's definitely going to be out. Because, again, like I said, if you don't practice with Dable, you don't play. Um, but even if he does play, who knows you know, how healthy he really is or how healed up he is. So he's, he's somebody that could be a wild card basically in the game. And I'll tell you, if he's not in, it's a big loss. Good blocker. Um, he's our rookie coming out of San Diego State. He's been a good blocker for us. He's been surprisingly good as a receiver as well. He's been kind of almost security blanket when, uh, you know, Jones has the pressure and goes outside the pocket. He's sitting there ready to go for that, that short yardage catch to get him out of that situation. So he's definitely gonna, he's definitely missed the last Um. Dexter Lawrence was out, but he's just he's got a little bit of a back issue. They're letting him just rest because he's been just playing so many snaps. He'll be in, there's no doubt on that. Yeah. Um Dane Belton, clavicle issue, limited practice, he'll play. Uh Bruno had a hamstring issue, so we're not gonna talk about him. <laughs> uh Wandale Robinson, hamstring I- uh, issue, limited in practice. Again, he'll play. There's no no doubt on that. Uh right. Jahad Ward had a thumb issue. Um he'll he'll be playing as well, but he was limited in practice. So the only big one I think we might be missing is Daniel Bellinger on our side. I will say two things I didn't mention with regarding our report. Uh, defensive end Romeo Cuaro, who hasn't who ruptured his Achilles last year, returned to practice for Detroit. I don't expect him to play, but again, Josh Pascal returned from his injury and he played right away. So I wouldn't be shocked if they they play him. You guys know Romeo; he was with the Giants, oh, yeah. I believe. He hates us. <laughs> he, he he has no qualms about talking trash about the Giants organization, which honestly. I don't blame him, and you'll get a lot of Giants fans that'll be honest like that. Like we'll take the criticism where we deserve it. The Giants never gave him a fair shot. So I remember I saw him because we had a joint practice with the Giants in 2018. I want to say, and I was at Allen Park for those joint practices. I'm like, this guy's nice. I like him, and I was I saw him get waived by the Giants. I was actually a guy. I said I want to put a waiver claim on. So I was really glad. Uh, that the Lions did put a claim on, and I was like, I didn't think he was this good, but like ended up being a really good solid player for us. Yeah, no, yeah, he, was, he did good. And then uh, Chark, obviously, uh, he's also on IR return to practice this week. <laughs> I think he has a shot to play because the Lions just don't have anyone at receiver and, like, the guys can't get off man coverage and you guys play a lot of man. So I think Chark also opens up that deep pass game as well. So I think he has a shot to play. We'll see. Yeah. So one receiver I know we won't see, but I'm kind of curious what's going on with him. One of the – uh your first round picks there, uh, Jamison Williams. What's 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 the prognosis on him coming back? When is that expected to make uh, his debut? So Campbell said uh, it was like October 27th, I believe. He said a month from now. So I'm guessing it's that Jacksonville game. Okay. The game after the Bills, like after that mini bye week, after the Thanksgiving game. So probably in the two or three weeks. Um, he also said he could return to practice next week. So like we're gonna see Jamo here pretty soon. We're excited about it too. We are really excited to see that man. Oh yeah, was it for that injury? He could have been the first receiver off the board. I mean, that's. I think he would have. You know, I, I think with the year he had last year, Alabama. Um, I mean, he still was the third receiver taken off the board. It was uh, three consecutive receivers taken in a row with uh, Garrett Wilson, then Alave, and then Jamison Williams was right after. So, you know, he, he's he's a super fun player. I can't wait to see him here. Yeah, yeah. No, he's gonna be he's gonna be I think something special for you guys. So, so what do you guys think as far as the uh, the end results gonna be here on Sunday? What's your prediction for the for the game? 
All right, so spread sitting at three points favoriting the Giants. Lions on the road, won two consecutive games. Giants 7-2 and two right now, been really good. Dan Campbell picks up his first road win last week. There's lots of juggle right here. Where do I go here? Mm. I just think the Giants' offense is going to be too much for us. And not that this is a lethal offense by any means. I just think you guys have too many X factors that don't fit our style of defense and that has given us trouble with guys like Saquon Barkley and guys like a uh, mobile quarterback like Daniel Jones. I think it'll be close, but I think the Giants win and I think the Giants cover. So I'm going to go 23-19 Giants. All right, what you got, Pierre? Um, I'm kind of with Tyler. I think like right now, Saquon Barkley, the way he's playing, arguably the best running back in the league right now. And then you have Daniel Jones who... Maybe won't give other teams trouble, but he'll give Detroit some issues. I think it's going to be too much to handle at the end of the day. And I'm going to say Giants uh, 27 to 24. I think it's a push. Yeah, so we're all got close games. I, I'm, I'm going to go with it being 21-17. I think it's going to be the end result. Uh, and I only see that the score is going to be so low because I think we're going to run the ball so off. It's going to kind of right. not allow for a high score because of the time possession, you know. Um, but I, I think, like I said, I think it's going to be a close game. Like I said, I don't think these teams are as far apart as they appear based on record. And I, honestly, I think you guys give another a year or two of, of developing that defense and getting a, a good coordinator. Because I'm with you. I don't think Aaron Glenn's the answer based on what I've seen. I just don't think he's doing the job right. Uh, I think you'll see a change probably in the offseason with that, though, based on what I'm seeing there. So, you know, I think I think good things are there for you guys for the Lions. And, and I'll tell you, most Giant fans are rooting for you guys, man, because we, we don't have any hatred whatsoever towards the Lions. It's If anything, we kind of feel bad considering the the history you guys had and the years it's been since you guys have had, you know, a really good deep run to the playoffs and everything. It's just we give credit to fans that are, are, you know, fans of teams like that because that's true fandom right there. You know, it's easy to be a team like that, you know, a fan of a team like the Patriots or, you know, a team that wins on a consistent basis. But to be a, you know, a, a fan of a team that's had kind of, Unfortunately, not the, the happiest of records in the last you know couple of years and all that. That's fandom. So, you know, like I said, ruin the best for you guys there after this week, of course. And we hate the and we hate the Cowboys as well in Detroit. Yeah, exactly. the Cowboys, and, you yeah. know, and, and I'm sure you know you guys probably aren't that big of fans of the Eagles, probably either. I mean, I don't really mind the Eagles that don't much. Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll say for the sake of your show, we don't like them. But, but do we really care about them in reality? I don't really care about the Eagles, but the Cowboys. I can tell you 100. percent I view the Cowboys personally. I hate them as much as their division rivals, like not the Packers and Bears, <laughs> but like Vikings, Cowboys. I mean, I might take the Cowboys. I hate more. It's not. It's not that far off. You know what the scary thing is for me, at least as a Giants fan, it's not even that I hate the Cowboys as much as I hate the Cowboy fan because you'd swear yeah. they just won the last five Super Bowls in a row. Absolutely. Meanwhile, it's been decades since they. It's been almost. It's getting close to thirty years since they won a Super Bowl. Like. A lot of the younger fans have never even seen one. So I've never like, seen a Cowboys Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm old enough where I've seen a few, unfortunately, there. So, so I, I was there. I was. I saw the, all the Aikman years and everything. So, yeah, yeah those, those were stacked teams back then. They were yeah. good back then. They just, you know, and it's just like the media too, man. They pin it to be America's football team. You give them all these primetime games, even when they're always like, even when they're very mediocre or bad, they're always getting all these, uh, you know, big time primetime games, and I, I, I just can't stand them. So that's a tradition, actually. I'll give you a history on that. There again, I show my age here, but not that I was around for this part, but I know of it. Um, so in the '70s and all, when they were really good back in the Staubach years and all, 
the um they a lot of times they had the four o'clock game and that would be the game of the week and that's what actually developed a lot of the cowboy fans you see nationwide was that time period because they have them on every single week so uh yeah. you know I, i'm kind of shocked that the fan base hasn't diminished though considering they haven't won anything in 30 years just saying any Cowboy fans that happen to be listening and want to get a good team, actually, you know, I'm just saying we, we have applications <laughs> available. <laughs> yeah, no, so. I mean, I mean, no discretion. I was going to say something about New York sports team. I'll, I'll, I'll just bite my tongue. I was going to oh, say something I, about I the baseball team. I was so nice about the I was going to say something about the baseball team. I don't know which uh, baseball team you're leaning with. If it's the one on the American League, I was going to say something. I'll just bite my tongue. I don't want to piss off any New York fans. I'll, I'll, I'll just say this so I don't tick off any of my listeners. I am a base. I am a baseball fan, but not of any of the two that actually play in New York. Good. Okay. Now I can talk oh. about the Yankees then. So I don't I'll understand their hype either. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I appreciate you guys coming on though. It's been a pleasure talking to you guys there. Uh, before we, we go there, why don't you guys let us know, let uh, all the listeners know where they can find your work and where they can follow you guys on social media. Yeah, so you could find us on any podcast platform you really listen to. If it's Apple, Spotify, we're on pretty much all of it. Um, you can find us at the Pride Podcast, and then for if you want to find me personally on Twitter, you could find me at Tyler underscore Sawa S A W A. Yeah, uh, with me, you can find me on Instagram at Detroit Lions Fan Page or on Twitter at DLFP Tweets. Andrew, man, thanks for having us on, man. I appreciate the kind words. How we've been struggling stuff because we have, man, but like. We're, we kind of see like where this team could go. So hopefully yeah. we turn it around here soon. Did you guys get a good offseason, a good draft, and develop that defense with a good coordinator? As much as a, you know, a guy who's a fan of the New York area football teams here say that, because Aaron Glenn was a great Jet for years. So there's I think a lot of respect AG, I have for him, but he's not a good defensive coordinator. See, that's right. We, we disagree. That's I, think AG, disagree. I agree with you, Andrew. <laughs> I think AG, um, I think he's going to be here next year. So we'll see, though. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I hope for you guys he's not. Because like I said, I see the mistakes, and the, the mistakes to me are coaching-based. I mean, again, you guys know better than I do. You watch every single game. But like I said, from what I'm watching here, what I've seen to you guys, it, it's coaching errors, and it, it's things that are fixed through teaching. And, you know, if it's not Aaron – if it is if it is Aaron Glenn next year, hopefully he, he learns to teach that a little better. If it's not, hopefully he's the guy that already does know how to teach that because – like I said, you guys have been through so much as fans, and you guys deserve a good team. So I'm, I'm rooting for you guys again past this week. Appreciate it, Andrew. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you well, for having us. Thank you. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.